Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open it up or turn it on to John chapter 13. And so if you have a copy of God's Word with you, uh, John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. And this morning, uh, as you heard, uh, we are spotlighting the Texas Baptist Men's uh, Ministry. And so out in the parking lot, as you came in, you saw two of our trailers that we house here on campus. And I encourage you at the end of our service, before you leave today after Life Group, uh, go and take a look at those trailers, take a, a peek on the inside. Uh, one of them is a laundry and shower unit and then the feeding unit. Uh, and so we want you to be able to see because uh, not only do you see folks walking around in yellow shirts today, those are some of our volunteers. And even though it's called Texas Baptist Men, uh, women are involved in that as well. And so you see some of our, our ladies this morning with that yellow shirt on. You saw some in the video as well. So we appreciate all the men and women in our church that have served in this ministry for so many years. But I want to thank you as a congregation as well, because whether you have a yellow shirt on or not this morning, you still participate in this ministry by your offerings. And so every time you give, uh, remember that we as a church designate or we send out 10% of all of our undesignated offerings. And so by you faithfully giving, you are giving to this mission as well, and you're giving to this work as well, uh, making it happen. And so thank you so much for your giving regularly, because that also helps with Texas Baptist men. So you're a part of that ministry in that way as well. So this morning we are in John chapter 13, and uh, we're going to take a look at that chapter this morning, uh, because we're also going to hear from Bud Earls near the end of our service, and we're looking at serving this morning. And so when we think about serving, uh, we want to be a church, we say to be a serving church. We have four purposes here. Uh, we say we want to be a serving church. We want to be a sharing church. We want to be a connecting church. We want to be an engaging church. So we want to be a serving church. That means we believe that we exist for the community, that the community around us does not exist to make Heights Baptist Church bigger, but we exist to make our communities around us better. We have the gospel. We have the good news. We're to take that out and help people where they are. So we want to be serving, and that means we want to be sharing. So we don't want to just know good news. We want to share that good news. We also say we want to connect with each other in our, our groups, our life groups, our Bible studies, to get to know one another and help each other out, and then to engage Engage in those spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer and evangelism. Help you grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. But when you think of that first purpose, to be a serving church, we have to all understand this. That you exist where you exist right now for that purpose. That we have a commission called the Great Commission. That we exist here in Alvin or Manville or Santa Fe or wherever you live, Paraland. You exist, you live where you live because God wants you there. You're in this church right now because God wants you here. You're in the job you have because God wants you there. God puts you all and puts me where he wants us to be for that time. Aren't you excited that he did that through 2020? Man, yeah. But you think about that. Everything we just went through, the day and time that we have been through together, God has said, I want you to go through that. I'm putting you right there to do that because I'm doing that for you to learn how to serve others. But the problem is 
that's so countercultural to our culture. See, if you think about our culture, we have a culture that's a serving culture, we have a culture that's selfless, or do we have a culture that's selfish, right? We have a, we have a culture that wants to be served, not to serve. But what are we called to do? Serve. We're called to go countercultural. Jesus shows us a better way in John chapter 13, and that's through serving. And here's what I want you to see this morning. That, that statement's going to be on the screen for you to write down. The way to follow Christ is to humbly serve others. Right, so the way to follow Jesus is to humbly serve others. That means this morning, if you say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, then what should mark you is how you serve others. So you as a believer in Jesus, if you are following Christ, you should have a posture and a practice of humbly serving other people. John chapter 13, we pick up in verse 1, and it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus had knew his hour had come to depart out of this world, to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so let's do a little bit of background and context on this, since we just picked right up in the beginning of the chapter. You see in verse 1, the setting is they are eating. They are eating there for the feast of the Passover. So this is Passion Week. This is the last week of the earthly life of Christ before he goes to the cross. This is Thursday evening, and it's getting late in Thursday evening. They have gathered to celebrate together the Passover. Jesus has been talking about this. Jesus now uh, is celebrating this meal with them. We know that later in the evening, they'll go out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. It'll be there that Judas and the Roman soldiers come to arrest Jesus then throughout Thursday evening, late, early Friday morning, he's going to be passed around to Jewish official and Roman official, all of them trying to put a charge on Jesus that is going to stick. All right, so they've given all these accusations. He goes trial, trial, trial. Everybody's like, look, I don't think this guy's guilty, but I, I got to get him out of here. So they pass him on, pass him on, pass him on. We know early Friday morning, Pilate is going to have him beaten hoping to satisfy the bloodthirsty crowd. But then after bringing out a beaten Jesus, the crowd about midday is going to say, give us Barabbas. We want you to let go a known criminal. We want this man, Jesus, crucified. And Pilate, being in an awful, sticky political situation, said, okay, I'll give in to your mans. Jesus then Friday is crucified. But we know good news, don't we? Three days later... There ain't no grave holding that body down, right? Three days later, he rose again. And now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, waiting to come back again when the Father says it's time. But I want you to notice something that John points out in verse 1 that's very, very key. It says, as he's sitting there, he knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Man, I, I was sitting there thinking about that phrase a lot this week. He knew his hour had come. All of history had been building up to this very moment. Back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, right there in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve's sin, God says, I'm going to give you a Messiah, a Christ, a Savior, 
one that's going to bring you back to me, one that will bring you to me, that will end the division between humanity and me. There is going to be a Messiah coming. And from that very promise in Genesis 3.15, all throughout the Old Testament, so all those prophets, everybody pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to the one to come. And here he is, right there on that Thursday, eating that last Passover meal with them. Knowing what Judas was about to do, he knew his time was here. All of history building to this very moment. And I thought about that a lot this week. Man, Jesus knew it. He was in control. Nobody overtook him. He wasn't scared. Nobody tricked him. Nobody, you know, conned him out of what he was doing. He was in full control of every detail. And you know what that did? The more I thought about that this week... It gave me a sense of peace. It gave me a sense of peace. You know what I see a lot right now? I see a lot of Christians running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They're so worried about everything. They're buying into the latest government conspiracy. And they're so worried about this and that and everybody's panicking. Why? Why do you get so upset and you panic every time the guy or lady you vote for doesn't win. Why do Christians freak out and run around like a chicken without their head cut off every time they think the wrong person is sitting in the White House? How about we return to Isaiah chapter 6 when King Uzziah had died? He walks into the temple and he sees God Almighty in a vision sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. And a train and a robe filled the temple. And the seraphim flew around singing constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why panic? Why worry? Why stress out about all these things? Because if Jesus was in control then... Guys, listen, he's in control now. And you can have peace today. You can be settled today in an unsettled world. And so in the middle of this dinner, Jesus does something that is absolutely radical. Because we don't know what the disciples were talking about at this moment, but we know when these guys got together, they were often arguing over who was the greatest. Hey, I'd kind of fight. So who's better than who? Who's going to sit in Jesus' right or left when he comes in his kingdom? So maybe they were fighting about that. Maybe they were discussing that. Maybe they were discussing mask or no mask or vaccines or vaccines. All right. Who knows? But you know what Jesus did in the middle of the meal? Something that shocked them that should shock us. Verse 4, it says, He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. Taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Verse 5, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? That was a job that was reserved for a house slave. That was the lowest, most menial task you could do. 
No self-respecting Jewish man would do this. But this is no house slave. This is no servant. This is Jesus. This is who John said in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. This is the one who John in chapter 1 and verse 14 said, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. This is the one that John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 verse 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. This Jesus, who in the presence of demons, they shuddered and trembled. This is the one who, when he saw the blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, gave him his sight back. This is the one who, when he showed up to the funeral of Lazarus, he said, we're going to turn this funeral into a party. Lazarus, come forth. This is the one who, out on the seas, when the storm came, he woke up from a nap and said, wind and waves cease and be still. This is the one who is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the alpha and the omega, putting on a servant's towel, washing the feet of tax collectors, political people, fishermen, uneducated men who walked in with dirt and dust and mud and dung on their feet. This is the one doing that. Amen? This is Jesus. And Peter does what we do. He texted something, he posted something, he tweeted something, he TikToked something, he said something before he ever thought about what he was doing. You did that this week? Done any of those things? I'm going to send it out, and then I'll think about it later. I might be the only one up here doing that, and that's okay. I can have a little church to myself, but I don't think I'm the only one. Some of you looked at your spouse when I said that, and (laughs) prayer offered later at the altar. Verse 8. Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. I'm going to read that the way the Greek emphasizes it. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus, what are you doing? There's a lot of pride that keeps people out of heaven. Do you know that? A lot of pride that keeps people from being cleansed by Jesus today. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says something to Peter, picking up in verse 9. He says, Simon Peter, you know, excuse me, he's picking up in verse 8. Jesus answered him, if you do not wash you, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Look at verse 8 at the end. If I don't wash you, Peter, you shall have no share with me. That word share, your translation may say part or or participate. Peter, if I don't wash you, you can't participate with me. Peter, if I don't wash you, you can't have a part with me. Peter, if I don't wash you, you can't have a share with me. And what he's pointing at there is salvation. Peter, if you're not washed by my blood, 
then, then you can't be with me. And we live in a culture and a world right now that's running around trying to find other ways to God minus receiving Jesus. And they say, all right, I can do this by my morals. I can do this by my religion. I can do this by my upbringing. I can do all these other things. I'm going to cut my own way. I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to get to God the way I think I can get to God. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. You have to be saved by receiving Jesus in your life and allowing him to wash you of your sin. And I love what Peter says, verse 9. Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus, take that basin of water and do like I just did the Super Bowl and give me a Gatorade bath, right? Pour the whole thing over me then. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Hang on, Pete. Hang on. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. See, he says back in verse 8, you want to part with me, you have to be saved. You have to receive me. Verse 10, hang on, Pete. If you've been saved, you don't need to be saved again. But what he's speaking of there is what we would call sanctification. In salvation, when you are born again, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't need to be reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn. What you have, you cannot lose. Because if you lose what you have in Jesus, then you no longer have a strong, powerful God who says at the end of Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you can sin your way out of salvation, then you never had it in the first place. But here's what we see. This idea of sanctification. We're set apart from our sin. We're set apart for holiness. But we know we are all still, as believers in Jesus Christ, practical sinners. We still sin every day. And I would argue almost every minute of every day that we are fundamentally flawed and our new flesh is battling our old flesh, that new spirit against the old flesh. And what Jesus is saying is this, that you don't need to get reborn again, but you still need to be clean sometimes. That when you sin as a believer in Jesus Christ, you come back, you repent, you turn, you trust in Christ to forgive you. This is where we're getting the concept from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know why revival waits in many of your lives? Because you have dirty feet. You've been cleansed. You've been saved. But, but you've got dirty feet. You're not letting Jesus wash you each day. There's something in your heart and your mind that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go of. And God's saying, you've got to let go of this. Now let me cleanse you. Now let Jesus wash those feet again. Maybe this morning for some of you is to receive them for the first time. Maybe for some of you this morning is to say, Jesus, hey, my feet are dirty. It's a week of walking through all kinds of mud and dirt and dust of sin. And I, I need you to wash me this morning. 
we see the powerful example that Jesus sets in verse 15 for us. In verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example that you also do just as I've done to you. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the way we follow Christ is to humbly serve others. To humbly serve others. I want to introduce you this morning to uh, Bud Earls here by video. Bud is one of our leaders in our Texas Baptist men's ministry. And listen to the testimony of the power of serving others. TBM was formed in uh, 1967 by a couple of guys that had gone down to, on their own, permission uh, after Hurricane Bulo. They literally were feeding people uh, canned goods using a, what they called a buddy burner, which was nothing more than a sterno cup that provided the fuel and the flame. and. 10 large coffee cans that they had cut open and insulated to uh, hold the heat. We're not there really to cut trees or to clean out houses. Uh, that is not our mission. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus Christ with those that are hurting and in need and whose hearts will be softened that they will then be receptive to what they're seeing and the love that you're sharing for each other. It gets them curious. They ask questions. They're listening. You, you see souls saved, men who have been hardened for decades. You see them on their knees accepting Christ. It's a great joy to see joy come back in people's faces when they were in despair and had no hope. And by the end of, of a few days, what you accomplish uh, in getting them, they can see that they're a step further ahead in getting back on their feet. By the end of the day, Russell actually uh, had started coming out of it making, uh, actually made a joke in the end, and that's the first joke, the first smile I'd seen come out of his face. And his neighbor, who had been concerned, said, well, I think we've had a good one in you. And that caught me off guard. I was not prepared for that. So I had to, to find me a quiet place real quick, get on my knees on that one. That's the thing, because I was not planning to be a chaplain at all. I was not, I was prepared to lead a group of men cutting trees. And in the end, we're all chaplains. It's your opportunity to witness for Christ. Why are you here? And it's, easy to see that we're sharing the love of Christ as he showed to us. And by giving you a helping hand to get back on your feet, that is the great commission to go out. So uh, we're just doing our calling. 
It is a work that once you have ever you experience it, you will be hooked for life. I love what Bud said there that we are we are all chaplains. We all serve, we all share the gospel. And how are you doing that this morning? For a, a follower of Christ, we humbly serve others. And this morning you might think, well, why should I do that? Why should I take time to serve other people in my life? Well, I want you to notice verse 17 as I return you back to John 13. Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I mean, look at that. There is blessing in serving others. Jesus says, you want to be blessed? We pray for blessings all the time. He says, okay, here's blessing. Blessing is found in serving others, but also it's a call to be obedient to Jesus. Notice verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you, and you are to love one another. Verse 35, by all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so this morning, there is blessing in serving others, but also it's a matter of obedience, obeying Jesus in serving one another. This morning, how will you be a Christian that humbly serves someone else? I want to invite you to pray with me right where you are. Let's bow in prayer. And this morning, I want to invite you just to answer that question. This morning, how will you humbly serve someone else. I want you to think right now in your mind as you got your head bowed and your eyes closed, let's pray to the Lord. And maybe right now make that a commitment. This week I'm going to serve someone else. Maybe you've got someone on your mind or maybe you need to ask the Lord, give me that opportunity to serve someone this week. I want you to make that a commitment. Say, Lord, here's how I'm going to serve. Lord, here's what I'm going to do this week for someone else. Maybe today, this morning, is for you to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. So as others are praying about how they're going to serve today, it's you praying about receiving. And you, today, you need to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Just right there where you are, you can do that. Right there in your home, here in this worship center, if you're ready today to be a Christian and start a relationship with God that lasts now and forever, to have your sin forgiven and have the promise of heaven one day, you can simply pray, Dear God, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the grave. Today I receive Jesus in my life. Father in heaven, I pray today that you will use those that are making commitments to you on how they are going to serve someone this week. Maybe it is a sick family member. It is a student in our classes as we start school again. It is a neighbor, a coworker, a church member. Father, maybe it's just as simple as taking a meal across the street to someone who needs to be encouraged. But Lord, I pray that as we step out and humbly serve others, that you will bless us, and that, Father, we may obey you in that call, and you use that witness, that act of service, 
to show someone else what a Christian is supposed to do. And Lord, we pray, even bring them into your kingdom. Father, pray this morning for those that have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives, whether they are in their home or this worship center. We pray today that they are ready to start that new life with Jesus. And Lord, help them to let us know so we can help them take that next step of faith, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for watching today's message. Right now, I want to encourage you to do something. You know, when we hear the Word of God, the Bible calls us to make a decision. And really, that comes from Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is saying, come and follow me. If you think about all the decisions that you've had to make in your life, some were small decisions, some were big decisions, some were not really important, and some were very important. But the decision of what you're going to do with Jesus Christ in your life is the most important decision that you're ever going to make. See, really, there's only two options. You can walk with Jesus or you could walk away from Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now to walk with Jesus. And the way that you have a relationship with Jesus is you place your faith in Him. You place your trust in Him. And what you're doing by placing your faith and trust in Jesus is you're saying, Jesus, I, I know I have sin. I know I have sin in my life that separates me from God. And I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust that you can bring me to God. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 that Jesus knew no sin, but he was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what that means is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, God put all our sin on him. And that when you trust by faith in Jesus, he gets your sin and you get his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. You give him your sin, and he gives you his righteousness. That means you're forgiven. You're forgiven of all the sins that you've ever done, and that you're forgiven of all the sins you ever will do. And the Bible says that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that God forgives you of your sin, and he forgives you of, of the power of sin in your life right now, that when you die, that God will take you to heaven to be with him for all of eternity. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you to do that right now where you are. And you simply can pray along with me. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And you can say, Dear God, I know I have sinned. And today I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. You know, friend, if you've prayed that with us today, I want to encourage you to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org slash connect or simply open the camera app uh, on your phone and put it right over this QR code and that's going to take you to that website. There you can let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior. What we'd love to do is celebrate that with you, pray for you, come alongside of you and help you take your next steps of faith. And so I want to thank you for watching today's message. I want to encourage you, if you're able to make it out, we'd love to see you in person here at Heights on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Or you can catch us online at 9 and 10.30 a.m. live on Sunday mornings on our Heights Facebook page, our Heights YouTube page. So again, until next time, God bless and have a great week.